Well, welcome back to another episode of the Wilson Weekly. We've got a real treat for you this morning with uh, Dr. Andrew Wilson going back over the data over the year that was of 2023. Welcome back, Doc. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, Glenn. Good to be here. And uh, what a year it's been. It's I think we can really call it a strong year for the housing market. Certainly strong when we consider it in the context of all the negativity that began the year this year. Lots of predictions, 10, 20, 30% falls in house prices. Lots of doom and gloom. Hopefully the punters out there have just shrugged that off as the usual nonsense that we hear at the beginning of every year. It is called clickbait. Just don't click on it, you know, if you see that story. And this year, what we're going to see now, the year in review, 2023, will validate once again how strong, robust, resilient our housing markets are. So, uh, you know, strap in. This is all the real data, data up to now, um, and uh, we'll see how we perform. Let's rip in, Doc. Sounds great. Brilliant. There we go. My housing market is providing all the data and I'm the chief economist and I will provide the commentary. And it is all about the year that was. So let's have a look at 2023, the year it was. There are our capital city housing markets in all their glory. They certainly rebounded this year after quite a year last year. And as usual, they proved to be robust and resilient. Um, let's have a quick look at how our economy performed because, you know, really at the end of the day, that's one of the key drivers of our housing market. Uh, interest rates, of course, are important. Affordability is improved with lower interest rates. And of course, affordability is a problem when you get higher interest rates. And we had higher interest rates to start the year, but then the Reserve Bank certainly surprised many by putting uh, interest rates on hold through the middle of the year, uh, way before any of the other advanced economies uh, moved into that sort of hold pattern. But they did pay for it in a sense, having to raise rates on Melbourne Cup Day, but to finish the year in pause mode with uh, that pause over December. So that's the interest rate story. I think maybe times will suit the Reserve Bank, maybe even though they went in uh, into pause mode a little earlier. I'm not sure we're going to see so many more interest rates, if any, interest rate increases next year. But uh, things can happen out of left field, which we can't predict. But uh, certainly finishing uh, with our rates still well below where they were at that previous peak back in 2011. Uh, is uh, is positive news, at least for the outlook. So interest rate story, unemployment just ticked up a little bit over November, but that was courtesy of a huge jump in uh, migration population. Uh, even though we created lots of jobs, we couldn't create enough to cater for the tens, hundreds of thousands of new migrants that we've had come in, but still very, very low numbers. Uh, we've got to go back to the early 70s to see these sort of low numbers in the 3%, and that was a completely different economy way back then. Um, so the economy is still in very good shape to end the year, despite all that migration. Inflation is still high. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, interest rates have increased to try to get that inflation rate down from that 7%. It's uh, it's heading in the right direction, but it's still a long way short of the target. The target is 2 to 3%. We're currently at 5.3%, so still some hard yards to come. But I think the Reserve Bank is prepared to be a little patient going forward. Um, but uh, but uh, as I said, the latest data is a bit more positive for the outlook for inflation. Although let's be clear that there's still some work to be done to get inflation back to the target. Uh, but it is heading in the right direction. Wages are now up at uh, a record high. So that's good news for those struggling with higher interest rates. 
Wages increased by 4% uh, over the September quarter, according to the ABS, which is a record all-time high. I expect, given how strong our labour market is, to continue to see strong wages growth. So uh, a positive there for wages over 2023. Spending is still high. We're still out there spending like drunken sailors. It's eased off a little bit. The latest data here is October. Um, but we're well ahead of where we were prior to COVID. We're still spending 40% more than we were in the pre-COVID uh, period. Uh, we obviously couldn't sustain the gross rates from last year, and that was because of the stimulus package, but we've still been spending quite strong, and that reflects strongly, and that reflects, of course, how strong our economy is and how low our unemployment is and our wages growth. But this uh, data doesn't include the November data yet, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what November is because November is typically the strongest month of the year uh, in terms of retail spending because of Black Friday sales, etc. So uh, we might be back way above uh, our uh, recent levels of retail spending after November, but nonetheless, it has been another strong year in arguably for retail spending, despite this data being affected by uh, higher inflation and obviously higher uh, migrant numbers, but still well ahead of the pre-COVID levels um, and still, you know, reflecting those stimulus package levels of last year. Price of oil is falling, which is good news for those that buy petrol, which is just about everybody. Um, but I'd put that up there because it obviously shows the relationship between inflation and oil. So uh, let's uh, hope that oil prices continue to fall. Uh, it has been trending down for the last six months. That's what's helped our inflation rate improve. Um, and going forward, if we continue to see the price of oil fall, it will have an impact on the inflation rate and therefore on interest rates. Now, when we look at the pre-COVID position, we can see that oil was really around $40 US a barrel. So we've still got some way to go to get back to where we were. Uh, it won't have the same effect as it continues to fall if it does continue to fall as it has recently on inflation, but it will still have a positive effect nonetheless. Um, building costs, some better news on home house building costs, which were a contributor to high inflation uh, and also to low building numbers, of course, because it's tough to get a profitable job when building costs have gone through the roof, courtesy of that previous uh, policy from the, or the government, uh, policy from the previous government, home builder. We saw uh, building costs, annual building costs increasing by as much as uh, 23% at their peak, down to 8% now. Still too high, but the trend is positive. So, again, some more trends working in a positive sense to uh, have less of an impact on inflation and therefore perhaps a less of an impact on interest rates going forward. And more importantly, in a sense, also provide uh, a better outlook for builders who are looking to uh, put up profitable jobs, you know, without that, uh, what is still too high in terms of, uh, of price, uh, of house price growth. Migration, look at that. Whoa, right through the roof. Migration this year, catching up from COVID. Uh, the federal government has stepped in and will be easing temporary, uh, mig uh, temporary visas. That's particularly students because they're concerned about, uh, infrastructure provision, particularly housing, um, higher rents and higher prices because we can't find enough, uh, homes to house all these migrants. Um, not sure that's, uh, going to be effective, but nonetheless, there's a, a lot of political pressure now on the government to do something about particularly the crisis in the rental market. Home building, no real improvement this year, still falling. Uh, the federal government's also introduced a policy where it's going to start uh, putting higher taxes on international developers 
and with those taxes, it's going to pay for more uh, rent to build or build to rent, build to rent uh, properties. Now, I'm not sure that's not just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic, but nonetheless, the the theory there is that they'll be able to uh, take some pressure off the uh, rental market by funding uh, build to rent propositions, which really uh, will, in my opinion, have no significant impact on the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of homes we are short of in this country. Um, going forward, and and it will be years anyway before we see any of these developments impact uh, or uh, uh, move into our our housing markets. Home loans they increased this year, no surprise, as house prices increased. More confidence in with lending, and home lending was up. So that's our economic background, uh, Glenn. In terms of the year that was, just a quick overview. It's interesting how a lot of those positive outcomes in those economic factors relate again to the positivity in our housing markets, right? So there's a there's that clear relationship. Uh, you know, the economy, uh, migration, home building, etc. So uh housing market performance. So let's have a look at the latest my housing market data, which covers the full 2023 year. So these are the median house prices over the December quarter versus the December quarter 2022. Sydney's still well ahead there in terms of the median house price over 1.5 million followed by Melbourne over a million, then uh, Adelaide and Brisbane, reasonably close together, and Perth. Look at these numbers. So this is the growth in house prices over the past year. Perth led the charge there up by 15.6%. So Perth house prices, no crash here, no bust here. This is like a boom, 15.6% up over the year. Uh, Brisbane up 12%, Adelaide up 11%, Sydney up 10%, and only Melbourne really the underperformer up by 3.7%. I think Melbourne's actually a bit of a special going forward. Still some potential in that Melbourne housing market. I think it's there's still a little bit of confidence there that's uh, been underwhelmed by what happened through the COVID period. Of course, Victoria has the worst performing economy of all the state economies, but I do think that uh, once we get a bit more confidence in that Melbourne market, they'll start to pick up prices growth around about the same levels as the other capital cities. But that's just the year. Let's have a look at the cyclical outcomes. So this is looking at current house prices versus the previous peak. So uh, in the, the previous all-time peak in the cycles. Uh, so Brisbane is now 2.2% higher than its previous record high price. Uh, Perth up 1.9%, Adelaide 0.8%. Sydney just about back to where it was in March quarter last year, just down by 0.5%, but Melbourne down by 3.1% compared to its previous highest uh, house price, which was uh, similar to Sydney in the March quarter last year. So still some discount opportunities there available in the Melbourne market. But uh, Brisbane, Perth and Adelaide are all tracking at record level prices at the moment and Sydney just about back to its previous peak. Unit prices, similar results there uh, in terms of the relationship in median unit prices over the December quarter with Sydney leading the charge from Melbourne, Adelaide, uh, uh, Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth. Over the year, unit price growth very strong in Adelaide, Perth and Brisbane. Um, Adelaide and Perth have smaller unit markets, so they tend to be a bit more volatile. Um, Sydney and Melbourne, uh, lower price growth compared to houses, uh, although Melbourne's similar. But you've got to remember that last year, Melbourne and Sydney unit prices performed better than houses. So a little bit of a, a sort of equalisation there this year compared to last year with unit prices in Melbourne and Sydney, but very strong results in the smaller capitals there. Got to understand that Adelaide and Perth have smaller 
uh, unit markets, um, but Brisbane has a large unit market, and uh, that's a very strong result for Brisbane units, up by uh, 11.5% this year. Um, so a very good uh, result there for, for Brisbane unit owners uh, going forward. Uh, when we look at the previous peak for units uh, in the cyclical comparisons, uh, Adelaide up 3.2%, Perth up 2 2.5%, uh, Perth, uh, Brisbane up 0.3% compared to its previous peak. Uh, Sydney around about the same as its previous peak last year. Similar result to, uh, houses, a similar result there, uh, in Melbourne. Also, uh, still some value there for Melbourne unit buyers. Now, the rental market horror story, high rents in Sydney house prices, similar relationship between house prices and house rents amongst the capital cities. But look at how high those uh, those house rents are in Sydney. Uh, house rents in Sydney up by 16.2% over the past year. Crazy, crazy stuff here. Uh, Perth up 14%. Um, uh, Melbourne up 14%. Adelaide up 12%. And Brisbane up 7.1%, uh, which reflects a bit of a dip over, uh, over November. But... Uh, uh, still strong results there, extraordinarily strong results in rental growth this year in all the capital city markets. Vacancy rates, they're just crazy low. These are just crazy, crazy low vacancy rates really going nowhere. Um, and um, when we consider the 2% is usually the sort of balanced mark in a rental market between, you know, uh, tenants and landlords, and here we are, we're not even at 1% here in, in these capital city markets and uh, basically means there's just a, a chronic shortage of uh, rental accommodation for houses. Unit rents, similarly Sydney leading the charge there, $730 over November median rent. Um, unit, look at the unit, uh, the rental growth for units over the past year. Again, this is just, in, instead of being basically all over 10%, they're all over 20% except for Adelaide, which is just remarkable growth in unit rents over the past year. And vacancy rates a little higher than houses for units, um, but only Melbourne is approaching anywhere near a balance for unit vacancy rates at 1.8%. The, the rest are showing very tight rental markets and, and really no signs ahead uh, in terms of relief. Uh, these are gross investment yields based on the current median house price. Um, uh, Perth, the top yield for houses, 4.2% followed by Brisbane, 3.6%, much higher returns here, uh, gross investment returns, annual returns for um, uh, yields for uh, uh, for units, Perth up 7.4%, Brisbane up 7.2%, the rest below that, but even Melbourne up nearly 5% in terms of gross yields for units. When we put it all together, annual returns, these are yields plus uh, capital growth when we add those together for the year. Perth leads the charge 17.71% total returns for Perth. Adelaide up 13%. Um, Sydney up uh, uh, nearly 13%. Uh, Brisbane up similarly nearly 13%. Melbourne up 7%. So good returns there for houses for both rental income and capital growth and uh, similar results there for total investment returns for units. Over the year, Adelaide 18.1%. Uh, Brisbane 17.9%. Uh, Perth up 17%, uh, Sydney also up over 10%, and Melbourne up 8%. So some big numbers there um, for uh, for our uh, for our investors and our homeowners in terms of results over 2023. Uh, auction markets, uh, we can see there that 
Um, auction clearance rates track house prices typically, so it's always good to watch out for those weekend auction clearance rates. You can see there Sydney prices tracking clearance rates. And similarly, you can see Melbourne clearance rates tracking prices. Over the year, uh, after a very strong middle of the year period, markets eased, uh, still providing pretty positive results there for um, for sellers. And of course, we had a, a big surge in listings over the end of the year. So actual sales numbers were very high, even though clearance rates were lower. Sales numbers were almost double that that were reported through autumn and into winter when there were higher clearance rates. But lower clearance rates and higher listings meant higher sales in Sydney. Melbourne, similar results there to Sydney, but lower, uh, but nonetheless easing over spring, but high sales numbers through high listings volumes. Uh, Brisbane tracked down over the final month of the year, but it also had a strong mid-year period, but it has a different auction culture, as we always explain on our podcasts. Um, Adelaide just really worked below its 80% benchmarks through the final two months of the year, but still quite reasonable results, but followed a, a really spectacular year generally for the Adelaide housing market, auction market, and Canberra uh, just started to pick up over the last month of the year. And I think Canberra's a bit of a special going forward next year. A bit of catching up. Canberra was an underperformer, and I think there's a bit of catching up to do with the Canberra market next year. So let's have a look at some predictions for 2024. We'll start off with the long-term trend. These are the long-term trends for annual house price growth. Uh, and this is the capital city house price growth, weighted average. It obviously favours Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane because they have the highest number of listings and sales. But nonetheless, you can see uh, in this uh, in the modern era, and that goes back to uh, the uh, mid-80s, we've only had four years where prices have fallen. And the worst was only uh, was 5.5% in 2018 when we had the mother of all scare campaigns on the housing market. But this year, we're up over 80%, 8%, sorry, 8.6%, and the long-term growth rate is 6.8%. So we're above average this year. Uh, good result, nearly 10% result for the national house price uh, for this year. Uh, these are my forecasts for house prices for 2024. I think Perth, Brisbane and Adelaide will continue the charge up by 6%. Prices growth a little lower going forward next year because there still isn't that strong discount factor. But I think we'll be favoured, our housing markets will be favoured by uh, less upward pressure on interest rates, still strong economy and still high levels of migration and still chronic undersupply of property. And that will put upward pressure on prices. Uh, Perth, Brisbane and Adelaide up by 6%. Sydney up 5%. Canberra, I think, similarly, a bit of a special up 5%. Melbourne, I'm also a little bit more confident about Melbourne uh, picking up next year uh, 4%. Darwin and Hobart, volatile markets, and maybe Hobart can be a bit of a surprise on the upside, up by 3%. Uh, for units, Adelaide, Brisbane and Perth up 6%. Perth continuing its strong run of recent years for uh, unit price growth. Sydney up 5%, Melbourne, Hobart up 3%, Canberra 2% and Darwin 1%. So they're my predictions, Glenn, for 2024. Let's see how we go. Mid-range predictions, I don't think we'll be too far off the mark. We haven't been too far off the mark. I think ever in terms of our predictions, uh, and I noticed already there's some, you know, negative uh, clickbait type doom and gloom predictions. They just can't help themselves, can they? Because they know it's a guaranteed headline: house price crash. Well, no crashes here in sight from my perspective going forward. Another positive year, not as strong, but we won't be in catch-up mode as we were this year going mm. forward. So, as we always finish off, we say that misinformation 
and ignorance remain the curse of Australian housing markets. We've proven it again this year. Think of all those silly predictions that were made a year ago regarding the Australian housing market, and you've just seen all the results, and they are spectacular, make no (laughs) mistake. Um, But, of course, those that rationalise the data and the commentary, particularly that we do, which is all data-based, and it has various different uh, angles, so we cover all the bases uh, to come up with our commentary and our uh, and our uh, our prospects in terms of the market. Um, so if you rationalise that data and act on all that fear that the misinformation and ignorance uh, generates, then you certainly have a much more positive uh, experience as a buyer and seller in the housing market. And certainly for 2024, particularly again, there is nothing to fear but fear itself. And once again, we've proved that. Australia's capital city housing markets, uh, head and shoulders. And, you know, it just get out the Google. Google what similar advanced economies have done with their housing markets this year. Then compare it to the data on this particular podcast, uh, and you'll see that we, we are uh, global leaders in terms of our housing market performance, and I think we'll be set to remain that way in 2024. So uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, all the very best. Uh, what's been following up a positive year for housing markets in 2023. Uh, we don't want to be too uh, cocky about it, but we told you so, didn't we? Um, and we'll, uh, we're continuing to be positive about the prospects for next year. And in what is becoming, let's have our fingers crossed anyway, a much more stable outlook for our housing markets. But you never know what's going to come out of left field. And we can do all we can to look at the key drivers and the data as it comes through. But sometimes things just happen as a bit of a surprise. So let's hope 2024 there are no nasty surprises in store. But it's looking reasonably good at least to start with. So uh, good luck to everybody. Good luck to buyers and sellers. And let's hope we have, uh, I'm sure we will have another positive year in our housing markets next year. So thanks very much for that, Glenn. And you have a happy new year too, mate. Thank you very much, Doc. I appreciate it. And um, what a year it's been. And um, you have a great Christmas. And and a happy new year as well. And thanks for bringing the data to the Infinity Fam for the year. And we'll see you in the new year. That's for sure. Thanks, mate. And it's been a big year for my housing market and Infinity as well. So let's not forget that. Thanks, guys.